Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott here. Hope your Saturday is going fantastic. Very excited to talk to our guest today. We're going to talk about everything from Chevrolet to Ferrari, but she is a stunt driver. We're talking with Tegan Hammond. She's out in California. How are you, Miss Hammond? Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Great to talk to you. You have done everything from racing uh, to commercials to some of the TV shows that are on right now. Where where did you grow up? I grew up um, in a town called Goleta, which is in Santa Barbara, California. And uh, so it's somewhat Southern California, kind of a little bit north end of the Southern County. The car thing is pretty big in California, is it? Cars and bikes, yeah. motorcycles, it's a big deal out there. Yes, it is. Yep. Lots <laughs> of hot rodding, lots of racing, um, lots of history, for sure. So, you have got like, you know, I thought I lived in a Chevrolet family, but you live in like the ultimate Chevrolet family, I guess, with with your parents. Talk about your parents and what all they've accomplished. Oh, my gosh. I... um. I, they, there's so much to say about the two of them as a couple and individually, but, um, they definitely raised me in a pretty unique way. Um, my dad is from Santa Barbara, California, and my mom is from Canada and, uh, they met in high school. They've been married for about 54 years and, um, my dad's a Vietnam vet and, you know, they've, they've known each other through, through all of that. They, um, my mom was into cars. Her brother was into hot rodding. And then when she met my dad and he was super into cars, um, they just, uh, kind of, you know, just the rest is history, I guess. But my dad got a really early start with, um, hot rodding and modifying his car kind of before the production, uh, muscle cars were purchased and guys were just actually building and running their own cars. He was into that, you know, back in the day in high school and probably like tea bucket stuff, like American graffiti kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I didn't even know like what a boss 302 was like, nobody talked about it because they were all like before that era. Um, yeah, that's like the John wick car, right? Something like that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not super uh, versed in like, you know, models and years and body styles and all that stuff. It's not my forte, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of history. Um, they got into Bonneville racing, uh, over 40 years ago. Um, there's a, a quite a number of, of land speed Bonneville racers that live in the Southern California area. And my dad got introduced to it and fell in love with it at a pretty young age. And, got a car and um he's just as long as i've been alive they have been going up to the bottom of salt flats or there's always been a, a high-speed car in our garage that so um, for the casual listener would you explain what a bonneville what all of that is yes so um so bonneville uh, salt flats are in utah and it is a salt lake bed so it's just outside of salt lake city it looks like you're on the moon. It's, it's, um, it's a desert climate, but everything is white. It's like the salt looks like snow, but it's like over a hundred degrees sometimes at the races. 
and it's pretty surreal. It's a really interesting place to be just, um, you know, in terms of what it's like nature wise, but then add all the racing to it. And it's, it's a pretty surreal experience. I definitely recommend anybody to go out there and check out the races and just, you know, be on the starting line when the cars light their engines up is incredible <laughs> and go down to the fifth mile and watch them flying by. It's, it's like, it's un, unreal. Can anyone go out there and drive on it? You could. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people do, um, you know, outside of race weekend, I have been up there to film before, which was really cool. And the only thing is that the salt just absolutely devours <laughs> whatever it comes into contact with. Ah. So, uh, you gotta be careful of that. I got gotcha. you. It's a beautiful I, place. So I want to say it's the salt flats that everyone would, would know from the intro of Knight Rider where Kit is out that's, there in yeah. the day. I think that is what you're talking about, or that's where yeah. you're talking about is the intro to Knight Rider. I actually, I never knew that took place on the salt flats. Yeah. If, if you look at it very closely, you'd kind of recognize the place I'm sure. Now, when you talk about these Bonneville cars, we're talking about the long skinny, looks like an airplane without wings, correct? They, yeah, they can be. There's all different kinds of classes. They run, um, you can have like a, a modified roadster. So it's maybe something a little bit more familiar to like a car you'd see on the street and all the way up to the streamliners, which is the full, like looks like an airplane body. Um, we ran in the open wheel class. So uh, our, the body of our car didn't enclose the wheel set like a streamliner would, but you really have this huge variety of classes and um, depending on what kind of body style you're running, what engine size, what fuel, if you have nitro, no nitro, if you're running a blown engine, like all that stuff relates to what class you're running in. And that's how the records are determined. So you pick a class and then you run against the established record in that class. Uh, do, do some of them actually have jet engines? They do. Yeah, some of them do. I mean, that's like a special... That's a special class for sure, but um, they have been run up there. I got gotcha. you. Definitely, they, they broke the sound barrier. Oh I wow! I believe unbelievable. <laughs> it is incredible. I mean, only a place like that that fills up every year with water, and then slowly, with gravity and time, settles into a perfectly flat surface for miles. Could you? do that kind of That's just know, wild. racing and it's really it's a really interesting intersection of nature and motorsports what engine are your parents and you putting in these things so we have always run the chevy performance racing engines um and it's it for different classes it'll be a different size engine but i believe most of the engines have been chevy racing engines like ls3 some late model stuff or like 454s like old school big block stuff i think they're big blocks and i honestly i i don't know the 100 percent details of it you just um, drive it <laughs> <laughs> i do i do i i was not in charge of the engines or um or building the car but i did get to learn a lot as i went watching it my Dad's really close, dear friend, Lee Gustafson, and um, 
his family, his daughter has a record over 300 miles an hour. Jeannie Flum, she's a OBGYN doctor and racer and motorcycle record holder. She's rad. So uh, Lee was really like the the engine guy. And my dad specialized in building out the body and the aerodynamics and all of that. Yeah. If you're in labor, you want her. I mean, she's going to get there pretty <laughs> yeah. quick. You she'll, know? Yep. She'll be super fast. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what records do you guys hold in all this racing? Um, well, fun fact about our family is that my mom has the fastest, um, record in the family at 323 miles an hour, wow, <laughs> which is really awesome. fun. Um, some people, you know, wonder, Oh, does your dad want to be the fastest? And he just gets the biggest kick out of sharing his love for racing with his wife and loves so much that she has. Uh, interest in it and um and then i got a chance to drive i have two records that are still current um my mom has five records that are still current and i think my dad has one record that's still current but there was a large number of people that got into the 300 and 200 mile an hour club just from um being on pit crew and helping my dad for so much of the racing you know prep during the year and they got a chance to drive. So um, there was, I think, about a dozen people that, that had records at one point in, in my parents' car. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. We're talking with Tegan yeah. Hammond about racing and stunt driving and all that kind of fun stuff. We'll be right back here on Guatney Unplugged. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine, brought to you by Guatney Automotive. Hey, we're talking with Tegan Hammond, and uh, she's a stunt driver. She's, gosh, just racing with her parents. Her parents have gone over 300 miles an hour. She drives on Magnum PI and Walking Dead and some other shows that, that you would know. Um, I got to ask you, what is your earliest memories of racing? We used to go up to the Santa Maria Raceway, uh, which is um, just a small dirt oval racetrack up in Santa Maria, California. And um, we'd just go for fun as little kids. I remember being super little. And every time the cars would come around the corner, we would put our like a blanket up over us, all the kids, and the dirt would just pellet the blanket. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my first experience with it. And then I just, as long as I can remember, I'd grown up in a in a shop. My dad ran a, a crane and rigging company, and my mom ran a welding fabrication business. And there was always a car in the shop being worked on for the races out at the Bonneville Salt Flats. So. Yeah, it's just kind of a fun place to be a hey, kid. I can get the paperwork done. Do you think your parents would adopt me? <laughs> we um, I hate to break it to you, but we, we just retired the race. Oh, actually. man, this is terrible news. <laughs> I know. It's, um, it lives in Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska now at the Speedway Museum. I got you. So what is it like at 300 miles an hour? I mean, most people have never went even a third of that. Yeah. I I do sometimes meet pilots that have said that same thing. Like I I fly airplanes and I've never been that fast. Well, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is funny. I mean, it is, I, it's, it is really hard to describe. I, 
I sometimes use the analogy of being in an airplane. Um, there is something to say for the engineering and the aerodynamics of a particular machine that isn't like, you know, it's not like you're in your car that you drive on the street going 300 miles an hour. Right. I've seen the videos. The cockpit doesn't seem to seal like an airplane would, correct? I mean, it's kind of, (laughs) you know, there's gaps there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, it is, it is really wild. Like the one thing that helps is you don't have, when you're on the salt flats, you don't have anything around you. So you're not seeing like, you know, trees and things like passing by super fast. You just have a mile marker flag and then smaller flags on the quarter miles. So things are just flying by you. Um, but it's not like it is on a street or something yeah. like that. Yeah, even in it's a plane, intense, you don't get the sensation like in a plane because nothing is close to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's, you know, there's there's some kind of, there's a little bit of suspended feeling. But the the craziest thing about being in, in the cockpit of that car is in our, you're laying down more or less in this car. It's about three feet off the ground, three feet wide and about 31 and a half feet long. And you're looking through your racing helmet. Uh, shield through and then through a plexiglass bended uh, windshield and you're looking down this track that's five six miles long and it is just um it's it's intense you about halfway through often you'll encounter a side wind (laughs) oh gosh navigating it we call it like thinking your way down you, you're not really like steering as much as like as soon as you think that you need to move a direction you just kind of like barely nudge it to steer it it's all very very delicate and and um it can be kind of intense if you end up sideways so you couldn't you couldn't send a text at 300 <laughs> i mean you know no no you know you don't even have time to be <laughs> thinking of what could go wrong you like you don't have the luxury of allowing yourself to think about what if yeah and i thought that was a really interesting experience like that just that if we could live our life like that and not allowing ourselves to worry so much and just stay so focused on where you're going and what you're doing that the rest just kind of falls into place it was a really interesting experience i felt like a lot of parallels to living a good life were learned in the race car <laughs> it sounds like the line from top gun where tom cruise says if you think up there you're dead oh that's you, interesting you know and i think he's yeah. repeating it now in the sequel or something that effect <laughs> there's no time to contemplate yeah, things don't. at 300 you miles don't have, an hour yeah yep it's very instinctual and it just it has to be um beyond thought like you have to just you, you kind of don't have time to think things through how you do have you to know it very well? How do you know where you're going on a salt flat? <laughs> well, you follow the the mile markers, the flags on the course, and then you know it kind of is like a railroad track. Like you know, if you you stand on a railroad track and the two lines of the railroad tracks kind of converge, yes, it looks like that when you're when you're staring down the track. I got gotcha. you. And you just have to stay within those lines. Um, I have had a pretty wild kind of spin out at 210 miles an hour. I just passed the second mile marker and 
Um, they had some like ruts that year and, uh, I ended up getting stuck in a rut at the same time mm. I shifted and it, it just kicked the car sideways. And it was, it was a pretty wild ride. I was heading kind of towards all the people and the, Oh, that's scary. <laughs> that is scary. Yeah, that was pretty wild. So that's like a whole different kind of how do you know where you're going when you're out yeah, of control and sideways but for the yeah. most part you're just you're yeah you're just sighting down the, the flags i got you so you drive all these cool things these ferraris and race cars what did you learn to drive on like a regular car on the street i mean my family has driven suburbans my entire life that was like our car so my dad like started us out driving you know, just sitting in his lap driving sure. home like the last mile. My first car was a, um, it was a Blazer, like a S10 Chevy Blazer. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember those. I love that car. It was like, it was such a good size for me. It was, it was great. Um, so that was like my first car. And then we had go-karts and things like that just around the shop. And um, I spent a lot of time driving forklifts. <laughs> And things like that. So I got gotcha. you. So if it's got a wheel or an engine, you can drive it. Sounds like I think so. Are you pretty mechanically oriented? I mean, what level of repair and teardown and stuff have you undertaken? My biggest car project was I bought a Mustang uh, for my first stunt practice car, and it was in 1995. And I I put in a roll bar. And, um, did a bunch of work on the engine. Um, I'm not at the point where I could rebuild a car or like retool an engine or take an engine apart and put it back together. Um, but I'd say I know my way around a shop pretty well, having grown up like welding and just playing on like shop machinery and lathes and, well, if all you, kinds of random stuff that's in my dad's yeah, shop. Yeah, I understand. Like, well, if you've kept that life. Ford going, you're doing pretty good, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a fun car to work on. Like, parts were easy to come by. It was very sure. affordable. It had, like, 220,000 miles on it and a frozen odometer when I bought it. So the engine needed to be replaced. But in the meantime, I just, I, like, fixed the rear diff and... I did change my rear diff oil at one point. That was like just actually pretty challenging. Um, yeah. And we dropped the transmission and changed the clutch. And we and don't want like a that. real but expensive car. You know, you're just practicing. You don't want a real expensive car that you could tear up. I guess doing stunt yeah. practice. Yeah, you do tear up those cars for sure. I actually like ripped the exhaust line off the mount, and I, I. I did all kinds of stuff to that car in the course of practicing like reverse 180s and drift turns and all that kind of stuff that we need to learn to do really well. Hey, we're talking with Tegan Hammond. She is Ferrari's first female stunt driver in one of their commercials. And with you being in the stunt business, I, I got to ask, what are the car oriented shows and movies that you grew up loving? I mean, I am a child of the 80s, so I was definitely raised on, like, Knight Rider and Magnum P.I. and all that stuff. Um, Miami Vice? Honest, yes, Miami Vice. 
I we like weren't really in. I mean, even today, I've never bought a television in my entire life. Like we really weren't so much into watching TV. We were pretty active outdoors, athletics, like just you know going to work with my parents kind of family. So we did love seeing James Bond movies. That was a big favorite. Oh, of course, um, I know. Who's James your favorite Bond? Bond? Well, I'm partial to Daniel Craig, and my favorite Bond girl is Eva Green. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, because that's one of the best movies ever made, no question. I think I think that is one of my favorites so far. I haven't totally seen all the old ones. But. Skyfall and Casino Royale are probably the two strongest Bond films. Oh, that's cool. You know? I kind of thought so too, but I wasn't sure if it was just you know that's more my generation. Yeah, you know, I grew up with Roger Moore. I'll always be partial to him. But, he is uh, good. You know, he's, he's so great. Favorite. Yeah. So classic. So here you are driving the Ferrari on Magnum P.I. Several episodes that I know of. I guess the old car has appeared in the new show. Yeah, it has. I I haven't been on an episode personally with that, but I, I know that they did incorporate that. How did you come to be driving that Ferrari on Magnum PI? That is so incredible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where to start. It's it's an interesting story. Um, there is, I mean, I I'm coming from a racing background. There's a lot to learn. Um, you know, it, it there's a crossover enough for me to learn stunt driving skills, but there is a whole world of specialty skills to learn how to stunt drive and how to work on a set and all of the things that you need to know um, in order to do that. So it, I feel incredibly lucky that there were people in my life that were interested in giving me a chance and kind of helping me make that transition from racing into stunt driving. The person who really made the most impact on me at that point in my career when I was considering uh, driving was a man named Gary Himes, who's a stunt coordinator mm -hmm. and does a lot of car and motorcycle work. Um, he had, used to be a longtime Baja moto racer and um, he's, he's got an incredible background and um, I got very lucky and him giving me a chance um, later on to do some kind of important driving scenes and a Unimog for one of the pieces that I did, like a Unimog chase. And then another piece uh, was my kind of favorite episode with Magnum PI was driving the Ferrari backwards uh, for yeah. the entire episode. I saw that. And was that like the season finale or something? It was, yeah, it was season two um, finale and it was an, an incredible opportunity. The first time I worked on Magnum PI, I was hired by Jeff Caliente, who uh, really got me started uh, working on that show. Um, and I just did like a reverse 180 in a black California, the Ferrari, Ferrari model. Yeah. Um, so that was, like, that was my first episode, but it, it just progressed from there. And then working with Gary was um, kind of the bigger, bigger, scenes i guess you could say how long did it take to shoot like that finale scene where you're driving the ferrari backwards and people can look it up and see it on youtube and whatnot 
Yeah, it, it, I, I would. We probably was out there for about a week. Really, it's very cool. Yeah. I, you know, having driven all these things, what is it like driving a Ferrari four eighty eight? Because most of us will never get that chance. I mean, I'm a Corvette guy and Camaros. How does it compare with domestic cars? I mean, it's really. I feel like they're also they're so unique. Um, Ferrari is a really specialized car and anytime I've been in a Ferrari, they're just like, they're so race car. They're so performance. They're, they're not really posh and, and, you know, creature comforty, the mm-hmm. ones that I've driven, but, um, like the 488 Pista Spider is like, it's like a racetrack. It's like a race car. I mean, it's, it's intense. <laughs> Yeah, it, but I mean, it, they're beautiful. They're just different, you know. It's like each car has its own its own personality and and strength. I feel like it's it's pretty hard to compare the two. How did you land the job of being the first Ferrari driver in the 488 Spider commercial? Uh, that's like that's such an interesting story. I feel like it was such an interesting mix of me being super new in driving so that I wasn't, I was still like in my first year of mm-hmm. um, trying to drive professionally for commercials and television. And um, if you're new, like I was at that time, you're, you're not doing uh, what's called union work. Like you're not part of the screen actors guild yet. Right. So okay. I had just started my career I'm in my thirties. I've like, they didn't want to have a blonde driving. They were looking to do something with somebody that was actually driving that they could feature in the films. They were looking for this very specific demographic of like a young female brunette who's <laughs> in their thirties ish. Yeah. And they, and they were shooting it all non-union. So I just, that's a perfect. few of my friends were like, wow, this, you know, put my name in and said, hey, call this girl, Tegan. She's, you know, she's not union yet. Maybe she'd be good for you guys and blah, blah, blah. And I got a phone call in like two, one day and the next day. The first was for, hey, can you come out and drive the Ferrari for this first episode of Magnum P.I.? I need you to do a reverse 180 in the California Ferrari, the Ferrari California. And the next day I got called from this Ferrari job and they're like, Hey, we're looking for a driver for this, um, Ferrari piece and the 488 Pista Spider. And both of these calls came like literally one day, the next day, Ah. they both wanted me to send them footage. And I had just gone out to Catalina Island, um, on a boat trip with a friend of mine who is like one of my favorite girlfriends is an architect and, uh, lives on her boat and is a captain. And, she took us out to the island. So as soon as I got that second call, I jumped on the next ferry back to Cal- back to the mainland of California. I jumped on an airplane, like went straight from the dock to the airport, <laughs> flew to Las Vegas, which was the only place that I could get a spot in the exotics racing experience mm-hmm. and get some seat time in a Ferrari. And that was kind of not what I needed. I had to like find a videographer to come meet me film and ended up leaving the exotic racing and going and renting a Ferrari 
and trying to find some like back road in the desert in Las Vegas that we could film a little demo piece together. Sure. <laughs> it just like all happened like so fast. And so I was out in Las Vegas. We filmed this little piece out in the desert on some little random road and then returned the car. And uh, that was kind of interesting because, you know, of course, they're like, do not do burnouts. Do not do any <laughs> tricks. No donuts. Like we have we have tracking on these cars. We know if there's any like tire slippage, we can like deactivate your car. You need to like sign all this stuff when you're like renting the car. We're like, OK. So we worked backwards through our shot list and like made basically the the last thing that we needed, like some like full 180 burnouts and reverse 180s our last like shots on the for our day we put together this little 15 20 second clip sent it into ferrari and to uh jeff pariente for the first episode of magnum pi and i got hired for both jobs that is incredible <laughs> hey we got to take a quick break we're talking with tegan hamill we'll be right back here on guatney unplugged you're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, if you get a chance, go to TeganHammond.com. T E G A N H A M M O N D.com. She is a stunt person. She's been so gracious to be on the show today. And you're just telling us how you basically got the Ferrari job driving the 4080 488 spider in their commercial which is on youtube people can look that up as well i love how according to the commercial you just have this ferrari that just sits on the street in front of your house i know <laughs> i mean really <laughs> the latest model oh it's just on the street out there i don't have a garage <laughs> you know you know how long did it take to film that that was about a little less than a week. I mean, with travel days, it was about a week. And I guess what's what I would be interested to know, you did all of the driving. You did everything involved from the thing start to finish, correct? 